Welcome to the seventh episode of the Tomei podcast. Today we're here with us, Florian Cho, and I'm your host, Lauren Sommerleit. Florian, please introduce yourself. Thank you for having me there. I'm Florian, 19 years old, founder of Fast AI Movies. And with Fast AI Movies, we have developed an AI-based software as a service system that generates e-learning for employee training out of a short input text. Awesome. So what is your story? What are you really doing? What drives you? So personally, me, myself motivates the entrepreneurship spirit as well as the coding spirit. So I started myself, uh, or I taught myself programming at the age of 12, and I'm doing AI programming since four years now. And uh, basically two years ago, I wanted to go into the startup field because I think it's really inspirational if you can build something from zero and build their, your own company and uh, your own product. And that's what drives myself, uh, especially now with Fast AI Movies. Wow. Why did you start at 12 for programming? Um, yeah, good question. So first of all, I had a very good teacher. So it was not my own teacher, but a teacher at our school. And he offered some extra lessons uh, where he uh, motivated us um, to uh, start with programming, but in Java in particular. And uh, I just had fun with this. And then uh, he gave me some resources, online resources, online courses, um, online exercises, also for uh, students. And there uh, was then, yeah, my, 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 my fun uh, caught. And uh, since that, I, I, I always uh, wanted to dive deeper into uh, programming and uh, solving problems, solving challenges. And that's why I have started with this. Awesome. So how did you start Faster AI Movies? First, maybe, mm -hmm. what really is it? Who's part of the team? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to do here? Yeah, so as I said in the beginning, with Fast AI Movies, we basically are the ChatGPT for video creation. So in one sentence, if it's a one-sentence pitch, I now always pitch like this, because since six months, everybody knows ChatGPT, so it's quite easy to understand. But if we go deeper, we are basically providing a software-as-a-service system for e-learning creation for internal employee training because employee training is a crucial part of each uh, company's success because without well-trained employees, uh, companies will have higher error rates, higher costs, and also less motivated employees. And therefore, it's very important to have this kind of employee training. And that's first of all what we solve. So to go now, now more technically, we have developed our own large language models that can take as an input bullet points, few sentences, and then generate a coherent explanatory training videos. So not marketing videos with stock photos or something like this, but really like explanatory videos uh, with graphs, diagrams, and so on. That's from the technical side. Uh, from the team perspective, we are now a team of 16 people. Of course, most of them are interns, uh, so half time. But uh, yeah, a team of 16 people, we are located at the TUM Incubator in Garching, have their, our own office space. And yeah, we have currently nine paying customers in the B2B field. And now the next goals uh, are to expand those customers to 30. So, okay, now looking at the market, you're doing text to video, right? Yes. So what are you trying to do there? And what is the competition right now? Everyone is yes. storming towards video production and, and chat and everything. Sure. So. so in general, of course, um, this market is very competitive. I mean, as I said, since the launch of ChatGPT, everybody is aware of generative AI, transformer uh, models, large language models. Um, in general, what is our advantage? Most of the people are focusing on commercial videos, on sales videos, 
either um, on sales videos or on talking heads. Uh, so I think probably everybody knows Synthesia. I mean, it's from a Tum professor co-founded and they are uh, generating this talking heads. And then there are several companies that are um, combining some stock photos to uh, videos, but that's not our market. We really want to focus on the educational market, on the main problem that it's not so easy to um, represent relations between texts in an animated, coherent way. And that's where we have built our transformer models and where I'm confident in that we have here some kind of first mover advantage is that we do not ha rely on one single model because it would be too complicated. Um, yeah. It would not be, uh, yeah, from the technical perspective, um, would not, it would simply not work because uh, one model be cannot cover it, yes. And therefore we have developed five models in total that will be executed one after another. And therefore I'm quite confident that we do not get so much troubles currently in this kind of um, yeah, field or so much competition in this kind of field. But of course what could happen is that there is another more effective way compared to training videos um, to train employees. And therefore it could happen of course any time that uh, people say training videos are not any more innovative. <laughs> and then of course we need to see how we can develop this further and therefore what we are currently already trying is to make those training videos more interactive. So we have a multiple choice quiz what will be um, uh, yeah, executed in the end after the video. We will uh, have uh, or we have developed already our own video player that the customer can really interact with the video and things like that we want to build further to not just rely on this video component where we do not know whether it's in five years uh, still um, needed or not. So you already teased the technical part so much. Let's dive deep. What are these five models about? Yeah, so all of those five models are large language models. And uh, of course, they are not always on the same architecture. So we have some models that are really uh, like transformer models, llama models, uh, that just generate from input output. And then we have some models that rely on the bird architecture that are more like classifying some tokens. And it's important for us because otherwise we do not get a higher accuracy for relations between words or key phrases. And uh, then we have another model um, that will generate us later those icons. So currently we make there a matching between um, key phrases, sentence, and our database, but later we, uh, we want to expand our database uh, with another um, generative adversarial network that will then generate really new images, new ICANN SVG images. That, that's from the uh, high-level perspective, uh, the main um, yeah, AI use cases we use or the main models we have trained. So maybe quickly for non-techies here, what is a transformer, what are tokens, mm -hmm. and what are you uh, classifying? Mm -hmm. So basically, maybe to, to start the explanation. So in general, um, a large language model or transformer model is used to understand language. So as I said, ChatGPT uh, is based on transformer models. BART is based on transformer models. Everything is based on transformer models. And transformer models were first introduced by Google uh, in 2017. And what they do is an encoder-decoder architecture. So um, if you want to predict sentences, words, and so on, um, it's not like that it just re uh, reads in these words or those sentences and then uh, writes down the output. Instead, it, um, embeds, it embeds those words into, a, uh, yeah, into some vector space and calculates distances between those words and then um, generates um, based on this and the output based on probabilities and so on. 
uh, because why is it done like this? So in general, um, our language is quite complicated. If you now use um, yeah, single letters, for example, you would have a million of combinations um, of those single letters and you cannot store so good information. If you uh, use full sentences, um, you would have uh, less um, or full words. You would not have uh, enough, um, yeah, enough, enough representatives and to store those informations. Therefore, those tokens were in, uh, invented because tokens are subparts of words and uh, one token will represent, as I said, one subpart of the word. So you do not have to fear that there are black words that will not be later represented. So if there is some input, you always need to think, how can you embed this if you do not have any tokens? For this, you cannot embed this. So if you just use as token whole words or whole sentences, you won't uh, cover all the input. If you use subwords, then it's not a problem because you can nearly cover every word that's available or something like this, and then also predict the output. And that's basically how those transformer models work in general, or why uh, we need tokens. And um, yeah, that's the architecture behind this. Thank you so much for this explanation. If you have any more questions, stop by the AI Academy. Um, now let's get back to your business. What does your business model look like? How would a company approach you if they want to book, make their mm -hmm. own workshops, make their own company employee training videos? So basically, we have, um, in the end, a subscription model, but our sales process uh, has two parts before. So first, if somebody is interested, he can just jump to our website, app.fast-ai-movies.de, log into our web app, um, put in their input text, and then uh, use um, our software to generate a free demo video. But he cannot do there any corporate design adaptions, he cannot uh, generate any multiple choice quiz and so on. It's really just like to see how our models operate, how our models work. It's also limited on two minutes and afterwards it's cut off. Then if the person is further interested, he can do a proof of concept if he do not want to enter already our subscription model. Proof of concept means he can upload his uh, corporate design, he can use our full service, so he can also generate a multiple choice quiz, he can use our uh, video player, he can use our web app also to make changes of the generated video if he doesn't like, for example, our icons that were generated or keywords or slides that were generated. And it's also not like only testing a proof of concept for the creator, it's also a proof of concept for the employee. Because in the end, of course, um, the companies do this, that the employees have fun on employee training, but also understand, for example, products better, um, understand the compliance process better, understand some soft skills better. And therefore, in my opinion, it's always important that not only the person who later uses the software system makes a proof of concept, but also the person who should be educated by this should make a proof of concept if the videos are sufficient or are helpful or are not helpful. And then if still everybody says, yes, it's great, then they can enter one of our subscription models based on their features and minutes they want to generate. Our subscription models are quite flexible, so we do not have a one-month period. We always have a six-month period. So a company does not need to generate within 31 days or 30 days all their videos. Minutes, the company can really shift them. And therefore, um, yeah, nobody needs to have a fear that he does not have enough content because within six months, so many products changes, so many processes changes, maybe even new laws uh, will appear like 
now in the mechanical industry, uh, engineering industry, and then you always need new content. And also, of course, you can cancel it as soon as you think you really don't need any more some content, but most of them stay as soon as they have entered the model uh, within because, as I said, it's quite flexible and does not have high, high, high standards or something like this. So you have different subscription tiers based yes. on GPU hours yes. and all of that. Could you, might you share uh, what the prices are, what the different tiers look like? Really yeah, beautiful. so I mean, um, I can share a bit about uh, the features what we have. Uh, so we have in the small package just the video um, with corporate design and to download this video and two changes on all five minutes. Uh, as long as there is not more than 20% of the content change, because otherwise a company could have in mind just to make a change uh, and delete all the text, uh, put in a new text and then get a second video or a third video. Mm. And that's not, of course, what we want. The medium package, that's our most uh, liked uh, package because it includes a multiple choice quiz and also a video player. So this means the company does not need to host the videos by their own. They can just uh, share our link um, embed our link as, for example, an iframe on their website and don't have any uh, yeah, tasks to do to get this video running uh, into their environment. The third package, uh, so our uh, large package, also includes a learn, man learn management system integration, LMS integration, and that's helpful for huge companies who have um, all their employees onboarded on one central system and needs to get feedback whether really all employees have watched this video, whether all employees have passed the quiz, whether some employees have broken within because it was not understandable or boring, and therefore they can make use of our LMS um, yeah, uh, subscription. And then we have 20 minutes at the medium, at the small package, 30 minutes at the medium package, and 60 minutes at the large package. And uh, how they differentiate in price are likely, most likely like the Small package is for six months around 2,000 euro. The medium package is for six months around 4,000 euro. And the large package is for six months around 6,000 euros. But um, yeah, it's changing depending on extra features or extra uh, requirements the companies have. Awesome. Thank you very much. So what were the biggest challenges coming up with this business model and also with the technical mm. part of it? Maybe if we first focus on the business model, uh, first, it was quite challenging to find a business model with recurring revenue. You know, every investor or also every founder would like to have some recurring revenue business model because it makes easy to calculate. It's quite attractive because sales process is quite easy because you only need to focus in the end uh, to generate new leads, but you always have a backbone uh, with uh, revenue or a backbone of customers. And to find a business model like this for us was not so easy because most of the companies said, I have now my use case. I now, for example, need to train my employees for this one trade fair, for this one law, and later I don't need to train them anymore. So I don't need a constant um, a service where I constantly can uh, yeah, generate training videos. And how we came up was after we had the first one-time fees, we saw, well, it's great how our um, employees work with our system, but after several weeks, the videos are already outdated because, you know, uh, in a, we are living in a fast-changing world. There are constantly coming new products, and therefore, of course, also the training videos needs to be constantly updated. And then we thought about, like, based on our first customers, when did they need to make changes on the videos? And we saw it was about a six-month period maximum. And then we said, like, then let's do a six-month period, 
then they can uh, have um, then they can generate every six months new videos, but they don't need to do this every month. And uh, also, what's of course now um, a good argument for us to have them on board is as soon as they cancel our subscription, they cannot longer use our um, hosted videos, so they need to download them, then they don't have any more the multiple choice quiz, it's more or less useless, especially if it comes to onboarding processes. And that was um, the challenge uh, with the business model. The challenge from the, at the technical side was mostly with um, extracting relations. So what's quite easy is to generate out of bullet points a coherent text. It's also quite easy to extract from bullet points key phrases and to get icons and so on, but it's not so easy to get, um, if you have some key phrases, if you have a text, to get key phrases in relation to the text. That's not so easy. So of course in NLP there's relation uh, matching or relation extraction, but it's more like you have several nouns and you want to make um, relations between nouns, whether for example a father and a child, how they are related, or a king and a um, son and uh, something like this, but you don't make relations like whether it's a process, whether it's a causality, whether it's parallel, whether it's antonym, whether it's contradictionary, uh, and so on. Those relations, um, is some classifying um, tasks, those relations need to be classified, and that's not so easy, and that was our main tech challenge. And you had no problem with generating, animating a human realistic representation to actually conduct these workshops? Um, not so much because uh, as soon as we have those relations extracted from the AI and all those things, we have quite, a, not a simple algorithm, but a, a deterministic algorithm that will generate us the animations, the slides, and, and then the career and training video. And therefore it was not so difficult uh, from the technical perspective. Of course, of course, we need to make a lot of thinking before because uh, we need to think what features do we want to include, but um, later it's not so difficult to implement this compared to those uh, relation um, models because those, um, uh, if you want to train them, you need to build a data set. There's not a lot of, there was no data basically available, so we need to uh, manually label or manually annotate all of our data. Of course, we could make some um, yeah, tricks later to artificially upscale this data, but um, it was more or less hard work compared to uh, the other tasks. Sounds like a lot of all-nighters. Yeah. <laughs> so how did the AAE lab influence your growth mm -hmm. and development? Yeah, so the great thing of the AAE lab was that when I started there, I had already found it and had um, already the first paying customer, but I did not really know like where to focus now. So where, how to get from the first to the first 10 paying customers, where, uh, what, what, what are the next steps, and how, how to build a team and so on. And that's basically what I learned. So I learned two, two things in the AI eLab. First, how to build a team. And second was um, how to find my market segment. As I said, I was quite um, unsure where should we focus and so on. And after the AI eLab, I had found the market segment of mechanical engineering, mechanical engineering industry, and it was also a lot of easier later to attract more customers and so on as we were more um, yeah, focused. And yeah, that's basically the, the main thing what I learned from the AI lab. And then another thing was pitching. So I liked um, that we always had uh, pitchings, pitchings, pitchings. So we had a pitching at the beginning, then I think we had a pitching after two or three weeks. We had a pitching then mid of December. We had a pitching beginning of January or something like this. 
and then of course the final pitch event. The great thing, if you, if you pitch so often, it's in the end quite easy to pitch. I mean, I was used to pitching um, before also, but um, mostly we just pitched um, at final pitch events, so it was also always quite exciting because you never did it before. Of course, you did it before at another event, at another accelerator maybe, or something like this, but it was outdated, and then it was quite exciting. And But if you really pitch each week and so on, I mean, you do an investor pitch, not a, a customer pitch. Customers pitch is, of course, I do every day and so on, but an investor pitches are always something um, yeah, different. Um, but if you do those uh, investor pitches every two weeks or something like this, you get used to it and it's also easier. Okay, was this also your favorite part about it or what would you say you liked about the AI? Yeah, years? I mean, of course, what was great was in the end this final pitch event because I mean, it was at Microsoft, there was a cool jury, there were so many people. I also get a, got a team member, our NLP lead uh, from this pitch event because he was there, he was uh, at the, uh, yeah, he was one of the students who joined and he listened to the pitch and we exchanged later and then he started at Fast AI Movies. So this was definitely my highlight. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So what advice would you have for inspiring entrepreneurs that might want to apply for the AI Lab? Um, in general or um, just uh, uh, focus the on the AI for, Lab? Yeah, for now for the AI Lab. Okay, so first of all, I would recommend those guys um, to really apply. So if they are not sure whether they should apply or not, then just apply, you will see whether um, uh, it will work or not, because um, you can just uh, win. So also, if you think you're not ready so far, um, you will learn pitching, 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 and then it, if it does not work or something like this, it's not a big issue or not a big problem. Uh, second, what I would recommend is not to have um, the fear that somebody might steal your idea. So maybe it was because of my young age, but I always had the fear years ago, if I now tell a lot of people what I want to do and so on, that then there are coming thousands of people who build the same thing and then um, make there some um, competition. And it's just bullshit because you need to think about two ways rational. So if you don't tell it somebody, you cannot sell later and you will build in the wrong direction. If you tell, um, yes, you could think there will be somebody who will imitate this, but of course it's not like because you are the expert in this field. So you have uh, done this maybe already one year, two years, three years, or even longer. So everybody who starts now has a disadvantage compared to you uh, as you are the expert, so you don't need to have there uh, a lot of fears that uh, somebody will build the same. Awesome, okay. So what do you think? How can people make mm -hmm. the most out of the program? What did you do to yes. embrace it? So first of all, join the pitch sessions. Second, collaborate with your mentor and your coach closely. They will give you a lot of advices and help you to grow further. Third, very important, exchange with your peers. So peer-to-peer -peer learning is sometimes the best way to learn something. And then if you're also motivated and interested in all other parts, you will make most out of it. Perfect. So what is the current status of your startup? How has it changed since the last batch of the AE Lab. So as I said, um, after the AIE Lab, we grew in our team and we also did some shiftings about who is now responsible for tech, who is responsible for sales. We try to build or we are still building some organizational or also management structure because now it's not so easy to have all uh, people direct uh, reporting anymore. So we need them now a bit more uh, structure. And of course, uh, we grew in our um, yeah. We grew with our customers, so we got more customers. 
we also now are um, uh, looking out for a new market segment. We are now focusing also on public uh, sector, so on um, uh, local governments, on cities, and on ministries, because they have uh, complicated texts, they have laws, and they have some yeah, procedures. For example, how do I get my ID card or something like this? And um, they have the requirement by law um, to make all of those content in a way that it's understandable for everybody. So from um, people who don't speak German, uh, for people who have maybe some uh, disabled, who are disabled maybe, and um, yeah, just also for children and so on. And therefore the best way is um, to have a training video with audio and visualization. Because if you combine audio and visualization, you will have the best learning effect, and that's where we want to focus now, because there's a high potential, a high market potential, and of course we now start nearly by the <laughs> same level where we have started before the AI lab in the new market uh, segment, as we need to attract there the first customers and so on. So it's always the same, like it's uh, yeah another part of the startup life, and. Yeah, then we have launched uh, in May our web app. This was a, a huge step as we now can accelerate um, a lot in sales as, uh, yeah, of course, we automized um, the way 100%. So there's no email communication anymore needed. They can just upload there the text and download the videos. And yeah, now the next steps are um, to get uh, those uh, other uh, customers also with partner sales. So we are currently building partner sales and then we want to look until end of the year uh, for some funding. So your team, you're now 16 people, right? Yes. Did you build a marketing team, sales, um, kind of engineers? Mm -hmm. What we do you have? We have divided right it, first of all, into two parts. Uh, we call it business development and engineering. Business development is filtered by marketing, search engine optimization, sales, and investor grant research. Engineering is filtered into full stack, front end, and natural language processing. And then within this um, kind of fields, we have some other uh, responsibilities. So one team member just focus on an internal web app. So you can also call it like a support web app that we can support our customers better. One uh, team member in the NLP area uh, just focuses on one part of our whole pipeline to improve just the text generation part. And yeah, there we have several um, shared responsibilities. Um, yeah, we do not need to go into uh, this deeper, but in general, that's our structure. Are these all um, your age? So all mm. in their 20s as well? Well, you're 19. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not in the 20s already. <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, of course, uh, so they are all students, uh, most of them at the TUM, not all. Um, we have from those 16, 14 in Munich located to um, out of Munich, uh, but in Germany. And yeah, most of them are in the mid-20s, but I think we also have some who are already 35 or something like this. Wow. Uh, yeah, and some who are the early 20s, but most of them are in the mid-20s and beginning 30s. How do you afford them? How can a young startup like yours mm -hmm. in its early stage with few paying customers yeah. afford 16 employees? You should apply for grants, so we got some grants. And of course, you should generate revenue. So that's always the easiest thing. But I know it, uh, it sounds easy, but it isn't. And it's also our main challenge. So of course, um, if you get more um, customers, we can pay even more um, people. Basically, what I'm still looking for is for another two salespeople. But it's hard. So we cannot now um, um, 
salespeople are always very expensive, so we cannot now we cannot afford them now. But we need them, of course, to get more customers. So it's like uh, a problem uh, where we do not know what's the first step. So what we try out now is this partner sales or a freelance sales, because uh, there uh, we can just pay them as soon as we get contract. So it's easier. Kind of commission, right? Yes, commission based, um, and. Uh, then let's see if we got there and other customers, if we then can afford another salespeople. All right, awesome. So maybe let's get back to the AE lab. Yeah. Um, what were your key learnings and insights that you gained from it? Um, yeah, as I said, uh, first of all, my key learning was uh, uh, pitching, pitching, <laughs> uh, pitching, pitching. I, uh, pitching is always something where you are not so confident in the beginning, but as soon as you do this for several times, you get more confident. Uh, then second key learning was um, focus. Um, so first I was uh, uh, thinking that uh, you can make everything. So I just said like, we are the layer above. You can put, give us any text, we give you any video. But it's bullshit, not just from the technical perspective, also from the market perspective. You know, like if you don't give your customer or your potential customer or your interview partner a concrete use case, he does not know what to do. So he will not um, pay you, he won't buy the software because he does not have a, uh, a use case right now. He says like, let's think in the future and you don't close any sales. But if you tell him, look, you have the responsibility, there's a law um, that requires you to um, train your employees on your supply chain. Therefore make a video about your supply chain and so on, even if you provide them some templates then it's much more easier also in your sales process because then the customer does not have any work to do. He just takes those templates and uh, gets the video. And that's what we then try to do after the AI lib. So what we saw, said is, or what, where we focused on, we looked for companies who have an internal company wiki where they have listed just articles about their products, about their processes and so on. If we found there a company like this, we said to them, um, look, you just need to copy the text from your internal wiki paste it to our um, yeah, software, and then you will get the training video. And that was the second learning uh, with Focus, yes. Awesome. All right, maybe to conclude this podcast, um, any last advice for fellow founders and fellow entrepreneurs? <laughs> another, advice the, another advice after the... Another advice? Two no, advices. First advice yeah. for specific for the AAE lab. Okay. Now, generally for people who are trying to start out. Yeah. You can also advise them to, of course, sign up for the AI lab. That would be awesome <laughs> advice. But. So definitely sign up for the AI lab. And then, no, second, uh, it's basically the same if I advise now somebody to sign up for the AI lab, sign up to everything. So um, what I mean with this is take as much support as possible. I think I said it already in the beginning, you will need as a founder a huge network. I underestimated how many things you need to do as a founder and if I would not have my network, I would not be in, at the position where I am now because um, you need experts in law, you need experts in taxes, you need experts in sales, you need experts in marketing because mostly you're an expert in one field. I was expert a bit in the AI field, but also not, of course, 100%. But you are not experts in everything. But as a founder, you need to be expert in everything and therefore you need to find people who are experts in the other fields and who want to help you. And the good thing is there are so many people out there who will help you. And the second good thing is you can always ask. The worst thing that would happen is that the people say no, but then you can ask another one. All right. Are you worried about deepfakes at all, about regulations around that? that I could affect you? I'm, so the good thing is, first of all, we are not generating those talking heads and so on. So we are really 
generating those animated presentations, and therefore um, we are not so much affected if somebody regulates now this deepfakes. Where I'm really aware of is now of this AI um, Act from the European Union, because I think it will have a negative impact at general on the startup landscape in Germany, but also in Europe. I discussed this now also at some panel discussions or with other founders, but also with yeah, some other experts who not found, did not found a startup, but just are employed in a company and have therefore a lot of things to do with AI. And most of them agree with me because you need to see three points uh, what makes it difficult now with this um, AI e-act. We um, can now with some techniques uh, fine-tune large language models. 13, million, 13 billion parameter models is not a problem at all to fit on a 3090, so this still works with some special techniques. But if this um, AI act comes, you will have a regulation, you need to document and so on, and it will cost you maybe 150 or 200,000 euro to document everything, to certify for everything. And of course, companies like OpenAI, Google and so on can afford this, but small startups cannot afford this. Second, um, it's a global game. So if you now regulate something in the European Union, companies will go either to US or to Asia. Third, it does not make sense for me to regulate on a technology because you should always regulate on use cases. And there is the point where I don't understand the politicians because you could already um, now manipulate images, for example, with Adobe Photoshop. It's not a problem. You could have done this five years ago. And of course, it's forbidden to publish something like this. So if you have the regulation on um, publishing manipulated photos, that's for me totally okay, of course, because otherwise society will not work. But why to regulate a whole AI ecosystem just because there's one negative or some negative use cases? Exactly. It's always about the user. Florian, thank you so much for joining today. Where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you first of all for the invitation. It was really a great talk. So if you have further questions, then just uh, reach out to me either via LinkedIn or write an email to florian.scherl at fast-ai-movies.com. I'm really happy to stay in contact with you. He's an awesome guy and listen to his advice. Join the AI lab, subscribe to all our socials and stay up to date. See you next time.